0: Welcome back to another episode of the Cornell Thank You Podcast. I'm Stephanie and Michelle, we had a great guest today. Her name is Rachel Schumann, she's young, she's smart, she's a lawyer, and we just really enjoyed getting to know her. Yeah, and in addition to the
1: fact that she is a sorority sister and that gets her bonus points, she also gets bonus points for remaining so active with her class since they graduated. She is their class notes columnist, which is a tremendous job. She keeps everybody connected, which is something we really love, and you're going to hear all about that after we roll the intro.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Cornell Thank You podcast. Michelle and I are so excited today because we get to speak to someone young and smart and living in New York City. It's Rachel Schumann. She's the class of 2013. She is a lawyer. She's the class notes columnist for her Cornell class. And we're excited to get to know you. Rachel, welcome.
2: Thanks. I'm excited.
1: We're so glad you're here. And we'll talk about it later. But she's also a sorority sister. So she's a little extra special. And we want to hear all about your story, Rachel, but we'd like to start kind of at the beginning and take us back to your senior year in high school and how you came to Cornell.
2: So uh, actually, I'll take you back to eighth grade, which was the first time that I visited Cornell and I was with my camp, with a, uh, like a summer camp crew, because my sleepwalk camp's not too far from Ithaca. We took a day trip to Cornell, and we did a tour with you know some, someone who's there giving tours at the campus. And I bought a sweatshirt, and I still have the sweatshirt to this day. And I decided at that point that I was going to go to Cornell. My dad actually went to Cornell, but he never made it part of my childhood. Fast forward to senior year, which you were asking me about. I applied early decision. I did not get in. I deferred. So I applied to every other, you know, I applied to like 15 other schools, but I did whatever I could to get in to Cornell. So I sent supplemental letters. I visited again as, you know you know, I got, I got in regular decision in April, but it was a tough couple of months between December or so and April. And that's how I arrived.
0: Did your dad come with you when you first got to campus to move in? And did he, was he, he must've been excited that you went, even though he didn't talk about it so much as you were growing up.
2: Yeah. So my dad is totally reconnected to Cornell. Uh, My brother also went to Cornell. He's four years younger than I am. So You know, I think I would say about when I was a sophomore, I think it was, um, he became the coach for the Cornell mock trial team. Wow. Still does that. It's his, really his passion. He also coaches my high school mock trial team still, and I haven't been there in forever. And so, yeah, he's still the Cornell mock trial coach. It's an incredibly intense program. So he totally reconnected. He couldn't believe that he had left his school kind of in, in the back of his mind for so long. And now we're a big red family for sure.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, we need him on the podcast. So thanks for that. Oh, I'm sure he it. And that's a great story. So where did he live and where did you live? Did you have anything that overlapped at all?
2: He lived in what maybe your listeners, will they know as the U-Hauls. He was on West Campus when he lived on campus and um, he moved off campus after that. I think, I don't remember when Cornell instituted it, but, you know, all freshmen now live on North Campus. So by the time I got there, I was in North Campus and I was in a new dorm. I was in Fort K. Bower, or K. I was in K Hall, part of Fort K. Bower.
0: Michelle and I actually lived on North Campus back when it wasn't really very popular for freshmen. I was in Donlin Hall, which I think is still there, and Michelle was in the low rise. Are those the low rise? I was in the high
1: rise.
2: I was in the high rise. High rise.
0: I always forget. I always forget. (laughs) Yeah, and it stunk. Yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, definitely Donlin's still there. Yeah, Rachel, what what school were you in? I was in ILR. Oh, okay. So were you thinking you wanted to be a lawyer the minute you stepped on campus? Why did you pick ILR? That's
2: another funny story. So when, so when you apply to Cornell, I hopefully now still, you can apply to multiple colleges at the seven, or now maybe there are six, I'm not sure. So I applied to CALS because I thought I was going to be a doctor. Okay. I got deferred. I, again, was thinking about, you know, all the ways I could get into Cornell and I also did mock trial and you know, did other history type of thing. So um, I also beefed up my ILR application because I had applied to both schools. And when you're deferred from, or at least this was back then, when you're deferred from your first school, you are then eligible to be considered for your other choices. And so I got into ILR. I realized that I never wanted to take physics or organic chemistry and I really more liked the people interaction aspect of what I liked about potentially being a doctor so I stuck with ILR and yeah Navalor.
0: So Rachel, if, when you think about your experience at Cornell, were you more focused on your academics, were you a social butterfly, Greek life, like what when you think on your college experience, what stands out?
2: I think it was definitely a mix, although probably slightly a little more leaning towards academics. I was definitely focused on getting very good grades and doing well in my classes. So uh, I would probably say I spent a little bit more time in the library than I needed to. I also, you know, I was president of my sorority and I really valued that aspect of trying to build a good social circle. I always viewed my sorority as a way to do that. They were kind of like, the people I came home to, or the people that, you know, I touched in with when I needed more like social support. And they were all, they were my friends. They're who I lived with. So it was, it was definitely a healthy balance.
1: So if you were president, does
2: that mean you lived in two years in the sorority, sophomore and junior year? No. So Greek life was just so popular that there wasn't enough real estate for- a president to get a nice big room. I actually lived with four other girls and I was president, so I did not get any special treatment. (laughs) Oh my God. But no, I lived in the house as president though. Like my, my term was the year I lived in the house. I was also head of our judicial board, um, which is where you could bring complaints and they were actually like kind of adjudicated. I like conflict resolution. So I didn't find that annoying, but it was certainly a little crazy.
0: (laughs) All right. I I cannot imagine if we had had some sort of judicial board. Can you imagine what the complaints would have been? The the complaints would have been. First of all, we were just talking about this on another episode. We had all out drag out fights on Thursday nights of weather because we had one TV. Was it LA law or not planning? That would have been brought to the judicial board. Yes.
1: With no resolution. No and, resolution. and if I were the judicial board, I would have said, why don't you get out of here? Just <laughs>
2: go do something else. Those shows yeah. are stupid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does that do either one of those shows
2: ring a bell? No, I think I know what both, both of them are that I've never seen either. I, I mean, you were in a onesie at that time. <laughs> a
0: onesie. Oh God. She wasn't even a twinkle in anyone's eye That's at that probably point. right. Yeah.
1: Okay, so that was your sophomore year. Did you go abroad junior year? I did I went to
0: Tel Aviv. Oh, we had a friend actually in our group of friends that went to Israel her junior year. How was it? Did you love it? It was the, continues to
2: be the best six months of my life. Ugh. I had not a care in the world. Classes were easy. As it in the sun, I was in the sun. I just had I had no responsibilities and only fun. So yeah, it was it was the best. <laughs>
0: You come back from Israel and at what point are you thinking, okay, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to apply to law school, take the LSATs. When does that kick in?
2: I actually started studying for the the LSAT my sophomore year before I went abroad. So sophomore summer, I studied for the LSAT and I took the LSAT the junior fall before I went abroad because I didn't want to have to study for the LSAT while I was a senior. So I, I did it with a friend. I um, ended up taking it again and I took a couple of years off
0: before I went to law school. Oh, you did? All right. So, <laughs> but I knew I was going to
2: go to law school um, pretty, pretty early on. I knew I wanted to continue my education, and that was like the higher ed degree that made the most sense to me.
1: We definitely want to hear about the time in between, but I believe I saw that you went to
2: Harvard Law School.
1: So, your hard work and your studying and your planning paid off. But nice. before we get to that, so tell us, what did you do right after you graduated?
2: After I graduated, I took a job at UBS, the investment bank, and I. But I was in the a human resources graduate trainee program, so uh, that's really where like the labor part of ILR comes into things. Uh, I love, I love HR. I loved. Can see myself totally going back to that space. But yeah, so I did a rotational program, which is I spent like four months in recruiting, four months in compensation, four months in general HR, you know, business practice, and then during that time I took the LSAT again and applied to law school. And so by the time the rotational program was ending, I knew it was ending, and I was going to law school. That was the that was the trajectory. I I loved I loved working in HR, as I said just moments ago. I would. I see myself going back to it. Uh, it was a great two-year program and, you know, something that ILR totally set me up for. You know, they came to campus, they recruited. So,
0: I mean, obviously this is the Cornell, a Cornell podcast, but I, I just want to hear about the moment you find out you get into Harvard Law School. I mean, that's a pretty amazing moment, I'm sure. I wouldn't know, but tell us how it felt.
2: This is a whole other story. You transferred to Harvard.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Got into a bunch of law schools before The end of that grad program, Um, I decided to go my first year to Cardozo, which is Yeshiva's Law School in New York City. So I spent a year at Cardozo. And then, uh, for reasons I'm happy to explain, but I chose to to apply to transfer. I remember exactly where I was when I got into Harvard. I was at a bar, I was on a date, um, and I get a call from a woman named Ann Taylor, which is funny because I pretty much only wear Ann Taylor. Why is she calling me? Yeah. This is a crazy name. I let it go to voicemail and then I, because I didn't recognize the number, and then I listened to the voicemail to someone who's like personally calling me to tell me that I was accepted and that I should get like the paperwork soon or whatever. So I listened to the voicemail and then I like started screaming. I don't know what I did, but um, the guy I was on a date with, he was like, she just got Harvard Law School. And they- <laughs> also because I couldn't like I told my friends I like texted my parents but I couldn't really communicate with them because I was on a date and they didn't want to be rude
0: yeah um, I was with a guy
2: from Cardozo so oh. awkward yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll get the bill yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was a good it was a good thing wow so
1: and you know while you were at Cardozo I think you were on law review I mean you did really well while you were there. And then you went on to Harvard and did big things there. And then what was your first job out of Harvard?
2: So I was very fortunate to um, be a summer associate at, during while I was at, at Harvard for Paul Weiss. And I accepted you know a full-time offer from them to come back when I graduated from law school. So I worked, at, I worked for Paul Weiss for almost three years. Um, and then I, I recently moved to another firm.
1: Now, I think the girl, Debbie, that introduced us to you had something to do with your next job. Is that right?
2: She did. So um, Deb, she's my recruiter. Um, I get tens of emails a week, a day from recruiters kind of cold calling. Are you interested in new opportunities? And Deb, Deb's email was Cornell-centric, and it was tailored. I felt like it had more tailored to me versus kind of like an email blast. And I was like, you know, this seems like a good, a good one to respond to. So I responded to her and we discovered Cornell and STT sisters. Um, and I was like, this is the perfect match in terms of a recruiter. And it happened really quickly. We got my materials together, sent them around to a couple of firms. I knew which ones I, I wanted to go to, and I was lucky enough to get offers at them and made the It was really quick. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Deb was happy, uh, with that because, you know, the process she explained to me originally, the process could be, you know, months, you know, six, eight months, something yeah. like that It happened in like six weeks. So, um, it was really fast, but yeah, she's, she was awesome. I hope I can, I hope I can help her with other placements if, if they come up. Yeah. She was wonderful.
0: Did you ever meet Debbie face-to-face or this is all through zoom and email. I never met her face to face, but I need to. You Uh, do. She's a dynamo. We love Debbie. She, you had the right person come into your life at the right time. It sounds like, and I'm not surprised. Yeah. I have to
2: take her out and thank her.
1: Um, well, she was very excited for us to meet you. And one of the reasons was she just said you were full of life and this great person, but also she thought you were so interesting because you do the class notes for the Cornell alumni magazine, I guess it is. So, and you've been doing that a really long time. So tell us a little bit about how that came about, what your responsibilities are. And then we have a little something we want to do with that.
2: I had been, since freshman year, part of our student council, I guess you could say. So it's not student government. It was more the tradition, the homecoming, the types of like Cornell class-wide events. So I I was technically vice president of like our entire class. You know, we also had a separate, like, sort of legislating body, so it's a little bit different. But mm-hmm. in, I was always involved in that kind of rah rah Cornell tradition, getting the whole class together my whole four years. So I was totally in on the senior class campaign, and then that becomes your alumni council as you move forward into your first five years after graduating. So this position of class correspondent interested me. And so that was my sort of assignment on the council. And I've I've been the class correspondent since we graduated. So I'm in my 10th year. I write an article every two months. So six publications a year, which
0: actually seems like a small number, but it's not. i probably say I write four and five a year. So people send you updates on their life and then you publish them in the magazine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, I I would solicit the news myself, but I would also, because I have everyone's email address, which is a very coveted (laughs) flat list to have. Yeah. So sometimes I would solicit. Sometimes I would just go on Facebook or social media and see what my classmates are up to. And then also the alumni office helps me by sending, you've probably gotten them like, you know, mass email with a little Google survey of information to fill out. And then it gets forwarded to me and I, I write the column.
1: Oh, I like the behind the scenes info. I never knew how it all came together. And we read a bunch of your things and it's not easy to to get that information down in an entertaining, concise way. And you do a great job.
2: I try and um, make themes out of the columns. If I'm a trend in a type of news, I try try and tie it together to make it interesting.
1: All right, so it's interesting that you bring up trying to make it interesting and grouping things together and weeding out good and bad news. We thought we would do a little mock newsletter with you where we are going to give you some scenarios and first we'll give you the kind of heading of the news and you will say publish or don't publish and then we'll give you some more details and you will say leave it in or leave it out.
0: All right, here's the first one. Okay, I've moved. Publish. I'm living in White Plains. Leave it in. And I'm living by my sorority sisters, so it's great. I can see them all the time now.
2: Definitely leave it in.
0: Okay, good.
2: Okay, now you get the hang of it. That's a great submission. Yeah. All right,
0: fantastic. Please, you, you, you try one. Yeah, let me try one.
2: Great news, I'm getting married. Publish with a caveat. My editor would say to not include, you know, be a little bit selective about what about the marriage you would want to publish? But, but I would say, I would publish. Publish. I'm going to go with publish.
1: We are getting married at Annabelle Taylor Hall. Absolutely leave it in. I am marrying my brother.
2: Leave it out. <laughs> that wouldn't make it?
0: <laughs> leave it out and potentially call the police. <laughs> call the authorities. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. All right. Let's try this one. I just adopted a baby girl exclamation point published Publish. okay her name is Sarah leave it out she's a bird <laughs> leave it out but
2: I may change you know I could adjust the word daughter okay
0: Bird <laughs> daughter with an adjustment
1: that's fair I mean you know that could be good I, I would leave it because I think that's really good news <laughs> That gets published. Leave That's it. a publish. Leave it. In. Leave it in. All right. Next one. I just attended my first Cornell Club event. Publish. I made a great new friend. Leave it in. By coincidence, his name is Ezra. Leave it in. I am the only one who can see and hear Ezra.
0: Leave it out. It's <laughs> <is> not good. <laughs> Leave it out and call the doctor. Nine one one immediately. I would maybe give him a call. <laughs> you know, he's doing oh, my God. Okay. Well, I we can see why your job is difficult because you really have to make those tough calls. You do. Publish you do. Out. You yeah. have posed the toughest. <laughs> all news
2: is good news. Is if you have any, send yes. it to me. Um, yeah. It, good. All right. There was a lot of good news in there.
0: There was. Yeah. For the most part. There's Some there's disturbing this. news sprinkled in. Okay. <laughs> Um, thank you. You were a good sport there. Yes. The other thing we like to do is just a sort of a quick speed round. Um, our listeners, you know, like to hear what some of your favorites might've been when you were at Cornell. And so we'll just ask you a couple quick, you can give me, give us one or two word answers if you're up for it. Right. Go ahead. Right. You start. What was your
1: favorite on-campus dining? I liked Appel. Never heard of it.
0: What, what about your favorite off-campus dining? Definitely Subaki. How about,
2: what was your favorite place to study? My favorite place to study was my room. Um, but if I went to a library, it would either be Mann Library or Catherwood, which is the library in the ILR School. That's where I spent most of my studying during the day. But I was a home studier. most the hmm.
0: Did you have a favorite class?
2: I did. Shocking to no one. <laughs> my favorite class was death penalty in America, which is a class out of the law school. It's taught by law school professors, but it's only available to undergrads.
1: See, and that's something that we didn't know about. And that is good advice. And it'll segue into our next question, but that's good advice for students is to look for these special classes that are in other schools that we knew nothing about. What other advice would you give a freshman?
2: There's so much change and so much going on. It's hard, and sure, tons of people, if you're listening, are giving you advice. But the best thing to do is not there. You can, you're at the precipice of forming your own path. And there are a lot of people around you who may try and influence you into maybe going down a path you may not feel comfortable, or it just doesn't seem authentically you. You should stick to. Your, your gut and, and what is authentically you and try not to be so influenced by what's going on around you, what other people are doing, because you can miss out on a lot that Cornell has to offer and that you, you can really find yourself. So
0: that would be my advice. Do you have any regrets as you look back on your Cornell years? I wish I had done this, or do you feel like you just soaked up the whole college experience? I
2: don't really, no regrets truly do stand out. Maybe spending a little less time studying <laughs> um, but then I may not be where I am today yeah exactly no I, I don't really have any have any regrets I think I found my way eventually in the end
1: well let's say that you're talking to a senior now what would you tell them what's your advice
2: absolutely is to maintain your friends they'll just will be with you forever and it will get hard it gets harder as you get older to maintain your friendships who, you move, you pursue a degree, you pursue a career. Um, and then, you know, you look around and you say, where, where am I? Where am I from? you know, and, um, I, that made, that is, you know, potentially a regret post-college, um, that, you know, now that I'm building my career more and trying to, um, build business and thinking about that kind of stuff, you know, I, there are so many more friendships outside of my close group that, I would and should have, have really kept more closely kept up. It's hard. It's hard, but it's something to
0: prioritize. So, are you now? You're living in New York. Right? Do you have any plans to visit Cornell? Do you ever get to go back there? So, I went back there quite a bit for the four years after I graduated
2: because my brother was there. So, we overlapped. We did our family did eight straight years of Cornell. So, oh, reasons I went back for him. Um, and since then, a little bit less. I went to my five year reunion my, but now my tenure is coming up. So there's definitely been a gap, certainly because of COVID, but I just booked a Airbnb for Labor Day weekend with my best friend from Cornell and my boyfriend. We were going to show our significant others Cornell.
1: Ah, so what's your favorite place on campus? What is a don't miss for that outing?
2: Well, you got to go straight. You got to go to, you got to, you got to see the prominent, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, out Quad yeah. straight, got to go to the heart of campus. Um, so it's a big campus to walk. So by the time we get there, we may be done. Um, <laughs> continue on to ILR and North Campus, but we could be done. <laughs> where
0: Where did your boyfriend go to college? I'm just curious if if Cornell is going to be a wow for him.
2: Penn State, so I don't think it will be overwhelming by any means. Um, but Ithaca is really unique, you know, and Cornell it is the hill. you really have to see it so do you have a favorite memory of cornell my favorite memory was my my 21st birthday it was senior year it was a week as may her is the orientation week it was just before school started my friends threw a party for me and it was just like an epic party and it just was like cherry on top and it happened to be my birthday but it was like a welcome back and seeing everyone which is the benefit of having a summer birthday so Oh, fun, fun.
1: So tell us, Rachel, what's maybe something we didn't ask you that we should know? And also tell us where our listeners can find you.
2: Absolutely. So one, well, one thing you might not know, but it's happening now is um, I'm helping a friend launch his campaign for state Senate. His name is Michael Pernick, and he's running for um, New York State Senate for a district in, in Long Island. It's the first campaign that I've really worked on. And uh, I work with him at Paul Weiss, and I do spend... But I'm not writing the class notes column. I'm helping him on his campaign, <laughs> and it's been an awesome learning experience. And In terms of where you guys can find me, um, I don't. I don't think I mentioned the new my, the new firm that I went to. Uh, I moved to uh, Kramer Levin. I'm in their employment group, so I've uh, moved from being sort of a commercial litigator to strictly employment lawyer, very I.L.R. theme. So yeah, you can just you can find me on Kramer Levin's website.
0: Now, we, we should tell our listeners you have a unique spelling for Rachel. I do. <laughs> All right. So tell, tell us that because I want to make sure people find you. Thank you, Stephanie. It's Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, like Michael. Perfect. So, Rachel, just tell us as we wrap up, when you think about your Cornell experience, what are you most thankful for?
2: So, hands down, and I... When I get this question, I always give the same answer. I am most thankful for my best, best friend. I was just her maid of honor at her wedding two weekends ago. And we she's the individual I'm going up to Ithaca with for Labor Day weekend. And there's just no, there's no question what the gift of a best friend is. And Cornell gave that to me. So that would be my answer.
0: We can definitely
2: relate to that.
1: That's such a good answer. and And we're thankful to our mutual friend, Debbie, for cooking the three of us up because that's a friendship that really paid off because it was so great to meet you and learn a little bit about you. You're a great sport. You're very funny. <laughs> we love what you write in the Cornell Magazine and just great luck with your new job. And,
2: and thanks for being on with us. It was fun. Thank you. It was awesome. Thanks for reaching out. happy to do it. And I hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks so much
1: for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of the Cornell Thank You Podcast.